While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today, for generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to tell you I am stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer this 2020 season with the Bench with Bubba podcast joining the Rotoballer radio network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer 2020 MLB draft kit is live, and all Bench with Bubba listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using the discount code Bubba. Rotoballer is home to the number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker, Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers, and busts. More than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with a discount code Bubba. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash Bubba and get your draft kit today. They have tons of great stuff and you get premium with promo code Bubba, DFS, all the goodies. Use promo code Bubba, sign up at Rollerballer, get an extra 10% off with promo code Bubba. Now to tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 309, little MLB trade deadline recap, the fantasy relevance you guys come here to enjoy. You can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick. If you can rate and review the podcast, that'd be great. It's also on the Rotoballer Radio Network, so go check out all that great stuff. But let's get to the fun of it. We've got a special guest on the show, recurring guest to Bench with Bubba. You can find his work over at Fantrax.com, and it's pretty much daily over there. He's always got something pumping out. And you can find him on Twitter at RotoClegg, C-L-E-G-G. Chris Clegg, how are we doing, my friend? And Bubba, I'm doing great, man. It's excited to be on and talk a little baseball. Had a 
busy trade deadline, much more active than I expected. So a lot of fun things happened and man, excited to talk about them. Thanks for yeah, having you, me. No problem. Anytime. And you and me both. I was literally asked on a show middle of last week if I thought there'd be a busy trade deadline. I'm like, no, I really don't. There's too many teams in contention and there's no one going to be willing. And then boom goes the dynamite. So uh, we're, we'll, we'll talk about them all. We'll hit the importance of them. And uh, some things like I, we were talking about beforehand won't be as relevant, obviously, but we'll hit the big ones and we'll start. The first half of the show is probably going to be the San Diego Padres. So just get used to that <laughs> right out the gate. Um, but we'll start with the big one. Mike Clevenger heading to San Diego. This could be kind of a combo of, hey, you really screwed us in Cleveland. We need to get rid of you to a combination of this is just what the Cleveland Indians do. Like I tweeted it out. People can go check it out. If you look at the Clevenger, Bauer and Kluber trades and what they've had in return, Pretty much Fran Mil Reyes and maybe some minor leaguers that could be something. That's about all that's left. It's not the, the greatest haul. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about this one here. Clevenger and Greg Allen come to San Diego for Josh Naylor, Austin Hedges, Cal Quantrill, Gabriel Arias, Joey Cantillo, Owen Miller. So, And they thought I said quantity over quality is what the Indians wanted. And that's, that's always a bad idea in dynasty drafts, Chris. I'm not sure how it works <laughs> in uh, baseball drafts. But uh, let's start with the Clevenger part. This is a big deal. Um, he becomes – you know, you could say 1A to 1B with Lamette right now in that rotation. What's your thoughts on Clevenger making the, the jump to the, the National League West? Yeah, it was definitely an interesting trade. <laughs> it felt like something you would do in like MLB The Show or Out of the Park, which is was interesting. Like you mentioned, the kind of uh, quantity over quality trade, which was a little disappointed, man, as a Braves fan. I was hoping that we would get involved and potentially swing in and I feel like, man, they were talking about Drew Waters. I feel like Drew Waters was much better than any prospect that went that way. But for Clevenger, I think it's a boost to his value, actually. He gets out of Cleveland, and like you said, I don't really think they wanted him there at this point with everything that's happened. He moves to a team that has a better offense behind him, a big park upgrade, actually. And so there's some things to like. I mean, obviously, moving out of the Central was tough because that was a an easier hitting division for pitchers and the West has a few more powerhouses, but overall, man, I think it's a good upgrade. He's going to get a lot of run support. The Padres are like one of the top offenses in baseball and many categories in Woba, WRC plus OPS. They're second in home runs. And so he should get a lot of wins. If you're in a league that does have wins as a category, he should provide a boost in that. And so I like the move for fantasy purposes. I think it, it is a nice boost for him. Um, from that standpoint, and hopefully he's well recepted there by the team, and it, it's a good move all in all. Yeah, no, he put a, a really nice start out there uh, against the Twins right before he got traded, so that was nice to see because, you know, there were some question marks. He wasn't as dominant as we were used to early on, and then he goes and does this whole, you know, shenanigans in Chicago, goes to the alt site. Who knew what was going to happen? So I agree. I think it's a great move for them. It's it's if anything, like they're already leading or not leading the West, they're behind the Dodgers, but they're going to be in the playoffs most likely unless something completely crazy happens in San Diego. And now it gives you, like we talked about time and time again, you need two to three really good starters and you can dominate in a playoff series. Now you have Lamette, you have Clevenger. Maybe it gives Paddock the boost he needs to not have to be the guy. He can be the third or the fourth. You have Davies pitching well. Lots of ways to go about it there. So it's really interesting from a from a real-life perspective to see how they put that together. And then fantasy-wise, I agree, he should do just fine in um in San Diego definitely something to keep an eye on there now Greg Allen I'm not too you know worried about are you do you think he's going to be relevant at all in San Diego no I can't really see him factoring in that outfield's so deep and it's just kind of a depth play I think for them 
Yeah, that's what the Padres do best is grab outfielders. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the Indian side of this. It's one of the few trades the Padres made that have immediate impact. They've made a couple that do, but this is the big one, one of the big ones. You know, Josh Naylor comes over there. He can platoon in the outfield with their left lows. Maybe a Mercado gets a call after all this is said and done. He, he, he's involved a little bit. You have Cal Quantrill who it's like, does he go to the bullpen? Does he go to starting? Because we'll talk about Plesak in a minute. But uh, you got Quantrill coming over there. Maybe he's there for the next year. Yeah, people are kind of high on Gabriel Arias, uh, Cantillo. Anything that stands out to you of relevance with the Indians? Because for me, it depends on what they do with Quantrill. Otherwise, I don't see really anything, at least for this season. Yeah, this season there's probably not a lot of implications. I think they said that Josh Naylor is is going to play every day. But again, I don't see it as a, a huge impact for fantasy purposes. Long term, it is interesting. Like you mentioned with Quantrill, what they do with them will kind of depend on that. Just the way they develop pitchers is is interesting. So what they, well, I'm excited to see what they can do with Quantrill and even Cantillo because there's a lot to like in both those profiles. And the Indians just seem to be kind of like a, a pitcher whisperer type thing. They just turn all these guys into into superstars. And so I am excited long term to see about that. But this year, I'm not seeing a lot of impact. Hedges maybe, but again, most fantasy leagues, he's not really relevant. And so Naylor's probably the only one that makes a 2020 impact. But again, it could be interesting. There's a lot of ways they could go with this. Yeah, I'm not rushing to grab any of these guys, that's for sure. Maybe wait and see. We have about three and a half weeks left. So by the time it's an impact, it might be too late. I'm just not going to worry about it too much. The other piece of this puzzle, I kind of hinted at it, wasn't necessarily in the trade pieces, but it reopened the door for Zach Plesak, who if you're listening on a Tuesday, he's making the start Tuesday night. And he's getting he's out of uh, his, his his punishment in the alt camp, and he's back in the rotation like right away. It's almost like they planned this whole thing out. But um, he's he's roster resource has him as the number two in the rotation. He's actually been sneaky good. I was looking at him for the DFS show I do in the mornings, quick hits, and he's only had three starts, but he's been very effective in those three starts. You know, one two nine ERA, a two nine one xFIP, still very respectable. Has a little issue with the long ball, but that was in one start. His other two starts, he gave no runs against the White Sox twice. He shut down the White Sox twice. Just put that in perspective. That's very strong. Good strikeout stuff. What's your thoughts on Plesak going forward? Because he might be available in, in a handful of leagues, and he's going to get a chance to start the rest of the way. Yeah, and I even recommended a few people weeks ago to potentially drop him because in the short season, you've got to make moves, in my opinion. And we knew he was going to be down for a while, and they were going to manipulate the service time. He could have been traded. And so we didn't really know. So he's, he's possibly available in your leagues, which go grab him, man. He's he's intriguing. I don't think he's as good as what we've seen so far. I mean, it's only 21 innings, and he's been really good in those 21 innings. But just looking at what he's done in the past, I mean, he's had some good minor league numbers. Last year was obviously his first full MLB season and didn't have the best season. But um, I think there is some value to be had here for sure, and – just looking at his strikeout numbers, how he improved those. I mean, looking at his his minor league numbers, I mean, he he posted high strikeout numbers occasionally. He also posted low walk rates. And last year kind of was an anomaly for his walk rate. And so I think there is definitely value to be had in, in any – I mean, even shallow leagues, I don't think you can go wrong with picking him up and, and giving him a run. I think he gets Kansas City tonight, which is a good matchup to kind of gauge going forward. So I'm in for that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to monitor, see how things play out there for sure. Let's go to their next move. Or They're not in the order they took place. Obviously, Mitch Moreland was one of the first moves. 
But Mitchie two bags, Mitchie four bags of late, comes over to San Diego for a couple prospects who, from what I've heard and seen, are actually pretty decent prospects, just a little ways away in Hudson Potts and Jason Rosario. Like they, they're just people that are kind of hyped on them. So we'll see how that goes. But the grand scheme of things, Mitch Moreland's going to slide into that DH position. It was a, it was a conversation that a lot of us had before the season that the DH and the NL is going to be cool and all. Like it, it could work out well. I think it's worked out pretty well from a guy that's been a diehard National League fan my whole life. But these teams weren't built for for the designated hitter, and that's the difference. They didn't have that guy on the roster like the American League guys had. Now the Padres do. So what's your thoughts on Mitch in uh, San Diego? Yeah, I mean, he completes that lineup now. Like you said, he fits the designated hitter role very well. He's been really hot this year. His slash line of 328, 430, 746, which is crazy strong. Probably not sustainable over the last month. But regardless, I mean, right out the hot streak, man. I mean, he's he's performing well. StatCast data looks good. He's 80th percentile or better in almost every every category, including exit velocity, hard hit rate, ex-WOBA, ex-batting average, you name it. I mean, he's second in barrels per plate appearance only behind Corey Seager, and second behind Miguel Sano in barrels per batted ball event. So he's hitting the ball well, and there is a lot to like. Like I said, how sustainable his slash line is, probably not significantly, but, I mean, ride it out. This, I mean, you've got a month left. Like, ride these hot streaks. When he gets, if he gets cold, you can cut him. But I do, I do like the move for the Padres, and I think from a fantasy standpoint as well. Like I said he's he's a good asset to have. Yeah, right in the middle of that Padres order is not going to stink. So that's that's a strong one to have. I was already picking him up in deeper leagues when he's with the with the Red Sox. He, he crushes right-handed pitching. I talked about it on a different show. You look at his splits; he hits them extremely well. So he's going to do just fine in that order. And that's a big, big designated hitter for the Padres to pick up. Another move they made, they um, acquired Austin Nola, who's a very – he's actually a sneaky good uh, offensive talent this season. He's like his age 30 season, I believe. But he's kind of a utility man, mainly a catcher, but can play around. They get the uh, reliever Austin Adams, who's recovering from a knee injury that going into the season, some of us thought might close for Seattle. She's had issues getting on the field. That can be interesting. Also get Dan Altavia out of the bullpen – but they gave up a decent haul. We'll talk about the, what they gave Seattle in a minute. What's your thoughts on Nola and maybe Adams with San Diego? Yeah, Adams, I'm not thinking he'll be very relevant personally um, because the, the bullpen's pretty deep and there's another name they acquired, like they acquired everybody. But there's another name we'll talk about here shortly that I think will will factor into more saves and hold situations. But Nola, man, like you said, he's a late bloomer. He's 30 years old and – come into his own. He kind of came on a little bit last year and had semi-strong season, kind of flew under the radar. Um, I mean, he's probably, if he's on your wire somehow, he's definitely the best option. And likely there's no one out there that is better than him that you could grab. And so I think that he gets the majority of playing time. They traded for another catcher as well. And that leaves him with three, I think, on the active roster. Mm -hmm. But I still think he plays the majority of time because of the bat. The bat plays very well. I mean, slashing 306, 373, 531, and has a little bit of pop. And even chips in a couple steals, he's kind of does what JT Real Muto does with the power and a few stolen bases here or there. And so I, I think it's a great move again. <laughs> like we keep saying this over and over about the Padres, but I love what they're doing. Um, and from a fantasy standpoint, like I said, I think he's must-on. Some people may think they split time with him and Castro, and Mejia's still there. But 
I don't, it's hard to take that hot bat out of the lineup with the other guys kind of struggling. So I'm all in on it, man. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Nola gets the majority of the playing time. Uh, Castro's, you know, good defender, decent stick, but Nola's the, the guy that they traded him to hit for them. You know, 146 WRC plus this year is outstanding. He's only striking out 14.9% of the time. That is very, very strong. And a 41% hard hit rate. He's doing everything that they could uh, desire from him. So I think he's a very strong play. Should be already picked up in most leagues. If he's not, I think that's a great – there's not many catchers that are playing better than him right now in baseball. There's like Rio Muto and a few others, but not many. So you might want to check that if you're um, if you're struggling at catcher, see if Nola's sitting around. If he is, let me know what your league is next year, if there's an opening. That'd be cool. But um, Seattle, they got a pretty good return here, I think. Taylor Trammell – or Trammell, I, I pronounce it wrong all the time. He's been a, a high prospect, and there's been people down on him. Maybe he just he figures it out here soon enough. Ty France, I'm a big fan of, especially versus left-handed pitching. You got Luis Torrens and then Andres Munoz, who people forget was throwing gas before he had surgery last season. He's still coming back from that. Maybe he's like the closer of the future. What's your thoughts on uh, this trade for the Mariners? I think they did extremely well. And like you mentioned, a lot of people have kind of fallen on, on Trammell. I still, I mean, the tools are all there. Like he's an incredible athlete, great speed. The power is not quite there, but, and he, he just had a bad 2019. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to see what he's done this year. Like we haven't had a minor league season, obviously. So we haven't seen any changes that he could have made, but just looking at the profile as a whole, I think, I mean, just, I think just straight Taylor Trammell for, Nola would it be a good deal? But instead, like you mentioned, they got Munoz, who's could be a stud closer one day. Ty France is a guy that they've been trying to acquire for for years, and now he's finally free from the the deep San Diego lineup and can get some at bats. I mean, Shedlong's not playing well, so he could slot right in at second base and potentially be freed. And I think there's a lot of value to be had there. Like France for this year, I think is a speculative ad just because what he offers and. Long term, I really like what they did there and setting themselves up for the future for sure. Yeah, that Seattle team, if you look at the future, you know, we've seen Kyle Lewis this year. We've seen uh, Evan White. JP Crawford's been decent. Shed Long's had his moments, but there's even more guys, obviously, uh, um, Kalenic and, and others in the minors. Like they are loaded when it comes to offense right now. They can throw, throw some pitching in there. Things are looking real good in Seattle as long as, you know, Deal and Jerry doesn't trade them all. That's always a concern at times, but uh, you never know. Another Padres trade, you mentioned they acquired another catcher because Hedges went to Cleveland. We've already established that. I mean, he is on the injured list. He'll be back soon, uh, but he's kind of struggled, and it's very disappointing there. They picked up Nola, and now they get Jason Castro from the Angels for a right-hander, uh, Gerardo Reyes, so that's really nothing too concerning there. But they get Jason Castro, probably going to be the backup catcher. I don't see any fancy relevance anymore. It stinks because he was a late-round target for many of us. You kind of on the same – Page on that one. Yeah, there's not much relevance here moving forward. And like you mentioned, he was kind of a target for me in deep leagues or two catcher leagues. I really liked targeting Castro in the back end of drafts early on, but he just hasn't. I mean, he's hitting 192 with two home runs this year. He's not doing much at the plate. He's a good defender. And I think that's why they went out and acquired him. But from a fantasy standpoint, I don't think there's a whole lot to see here. Yeah, I'm with you. Now, a move that was very surprising. Usually when you have a closer on your roster and he gets traded to a contender, he's not going to close anymore. This might not be the case. As the Padres acquired Trevor Rosenthal for um, Ed- Edward Oliveris, which is an interesting discussion in its own 
page in a second. But Rosenthal, who's had a phenomenal year, kind of a rejuvenation of uh, some previous success, striking guys out, the velocity's back up, racking up saves for – well, racking up as much as you can for the Royals, seven saves on the season. But he's been very, very effective. Now he goes to San Diego, a team where you mentioned – there's a few more guys we still have to talk about, how they deepened their bullpen, which is crazy. Um, if you look at roster resource, there's three guys closing there right now. Rosenthal, Pomerantz is back from the IL. He's their best guy. I kind of think he's their leverage guy, maybe not closer. And then Pagan, who's been filling in, but it's been shaky. How do you view this Rosenthal to San Diego, and how do you feel about the closing situation? Yeah, I think people are kind of going to negate what Rosenthal can do, but like you mentioned, Pomeranz is probably their best option. So I think he goes into the swingman type role. You see him in more of the high leverage situations. So he's not going to see every ninth inning opportunity. And again, you've got the lefty righty split there. And Rosenthal has the experience. He's got plenty of closing experience. Pomeranz doesn't have that. Rosenthal's been really good this year. He's 307 ERA, career high in strikeouts this year, 14.1 K per nine. I think he's going to see plenty of save chances. And I don't think that's what a lot of people expected when they saw this trade because they knew the depth of the bullpen and Pomeranz has been good. And you have Pagan also because there's a lot of options. But I, I'm thinking Rosenthal might be the guy here, surprisingly. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he gets it because Pagan, they had him there when um, Pomeranz got hurt. But even it was Kirby Yates and he gets hurt. Then it was kind of Pomeranz is getting most of the saves and he got hurt. So like, okay, we'll put Pagan in here. And it was kind of a roller coaster ride with Pagan compared to what we saw in Tampa Bay. So I, I'm with you. I think Rosenthal is going to slide in and get more than people think. Pagan's going to probably get one or two here and there. And Pomeranz will get some. I think Pomeranz is going to be that, like you said, the leverage guy, like the Josh Hader guy before Josh Hader was officially the closer where he ran into like eight saves and, you know, had like seven wins and pitched two innings a night, got all the strikeouts. That's what they want from Bomberans. They want him to do the big boy stuff. So that's probably the right move. And um, that'll allow Rosenthal to slide in there. So I'm with you there. Edward Olivares is interesting from the Kansas City side of things because they got nothing to lose here. They get a prospect that's uh, got some years of control, um, a talented guy, a little bit of power. Or he's got some power. He's got some speed. Average has been a little shaky, but they might give him some run in Kansas City. What's your thoughts on Edward Olivares? Yeah, he's a guy that I liked a lot preseason, especially when we found out that he was going to make the roster for in San Diego. Obviously, it's been a log jam. He hasn't gotten the consistent playing time I think he needs to really take off. It's a nice power-speed combo there. I mean, he's not a big power guy, but 15 home run type guy with, with 30 steel potential. And the hit tool's solid. Um, he hasn't shown that this year. So when you look at what he's done in the major leagues, hitting 176. He's only had 36 plate appearances this year, so kind of hard to judge him on that. But the profile is interesting, and it's an incredible move by Kansas City. And I wonder if this will become more of a trend. You see kind of non-contenders buying these old relievers, making them closers, and shipping them off midseason because this is a solid prospect here. This isn't just any random guy we're getting for for Rosenthal. Kansas City got a nice return in Oliveris, and – I'm not sure how he factors in the lineup this year, but, I mean, they have nothing to lose, like you mentioned. They should give him the run, and I think he could succeed. And be, I mean, a lot to like here in the profile, for sure. Yeah, we've seen teams try to do it in the past. Just you have to have Rosenthal guy be successful, and that's huge. So that's that's a good thing there. And with Oliveris, like you were saying, I think he's an interesting add, especially in deeper leagues. Like 
average wise, he's probably not going to help you a ton. He might hurt you a little bit, but he might add a little bit of power. But most importantly, he might be able to swipe you some bags down the stretch here, which could be a game changer type deal. So it kind of depends on what your team needs. If you're doing really well in batting average, you don't want to risk it, or you're just tanked batting average and you know you're said screw it type stuff. Oliveras could be an interesting option for you. So I think that's uh, somebody to look at. Now, the last trade, I believe, I probably missed four or five other ones, but the last <laughs> trade from the Padres here, like this is like one, two, three, four, five, the sixth trade, and I, I probably did miss something. But Taylor Williams, this is this is wild when I saw this one. This was kind of slid under the radar at the end. He was the closer for the Seattle Manners. Like this is not even a part of the NOLA deal, separate deal. Just, you know, they had the, the hotline, the DePoto hotline. We need another reliever if we don't have enough. So they went and got Taylor Williams, who already had six saves on the year. Lots of strikeout stuff, but then, you know, he walks guys. He got in some trouble this year at times. It was – and I've owned him in certain leagues, so it was very interesting situation. He's not going to close like Rosenthal, but he adds depth. So, for me, is he maybe a holds league guy, or what's your thoughts on Williams? It's hard to say because that bullpen's so deep now. I mean, it's incredible how they transformed it. He's definitely – he has the possibility to get some holds, but there's so many – better options in that pin it's hard i mean i don't know it's hard to see where he slots in given i mean i think you've got the seventh eighth ninth guys kind of lined up here with in some form or fashion pagan pomeranz rosenthal and then i mean shoot they've got plenty of other options too to factor in so i don't know it's an interesting situation it's a good depth move for their bullpen but fantasy relevance i'm not really sure i'm not in on it now it stinks. Like I'm pretty much going to drop him everywhere, unless you're like in a deep, deep saves and holds league. Okay, but his ratios aren't even that great. Usually you're going with ratio guys in those scenarios, so they kind of burns you there. Now a trade that I didn't see coming. Maybe some experts did, but I didn't see it coming. The Diamondbacks they sold the farm on Monday. Didn't see that coming either. But this trade, Starling Marte, who they acquired in the off season for the Marte Parte, didn't last very long. He is shipped off to Miami. That was very, very surprising to me. Um, I believe he's had another year or so of control, which is good. Goes for Caleb Smith and Humberto Mejia and, and a, a single-A left-handed pitcher, Julio Frias, as well. We'll talk about Caleb Smith in a minute, but Starling Marte going to the Marlins. Um, they haven't projected to hit second in that order. You know, it's not a world-beating order, but they've been kind of annoying two teams right now. If you're playing them, they're they're productive. Uh, Garrett Cooper, I, I like a lot, and some other guys there. Marte wasn't showing the power this year, but he was doing everything else you want from Starling Marte. So what's your thoughts on him going to Miami? It was a head-scratcher. <laughs> yeah. Not what I expected. I mean, Arizona gave up two talented prospects this offseason in, in Brennan Malone and Leover Puguero for just 33 games of Starling Marte, which just makes you scratch your head. And I don't think they fulfilled that return when they traded him to the Marlins. It's interesting because another guy that the Marlins moved, we're going to talk about here in a second. What are they doing? I don't know. So it's interesting. It's probably a slight downgrade for him fantasy-wise because the Marlins lineup, they're probably going to let him run free. I mean, VR was tearing up the base paths. And so he's probably going to give you plenty of steals still, but the run, he's not going to get as many runs or RBIs just from the standpoint of, that lineup's just not as good. And not to say that the Diamondbacks had a great lineup, but they were performing a little better than the Marlins have, and there's just not a, a ton to like. So I think it's a slight downgrade for fantasy purposes, but 
again, the Marlins may just let him run wild every time he's on the base paths because he has that ability. He's hit the ball well. I mean, he's hitting 311. And the home runs aren't there. But, again, you can't deny the speed. And and there's a need for speed in fantasy. So mm-hmm. I'd say that value should still be there. That should be there. And a couple other points that could be a nice benefit to Marte. Going to the east is always nice. That's where you want to go hit. That's That's a fun one. The other thing that's interesting, which I saw on Twitter, I will take no credit for this, but it stands out because the guy that we're going to talk about next, he's losing five games this year, and Marte is gaining five games because the Marlins have all those makeup games. That's true. So that's interesting if you want to – and now, sure, there's seven inning games, but um, you know, some, some very smart minds have said basically those doubleheader games, it's like a playing a game and a half type deal. So I guess in the end of it, you lose some, but they have so many doubleheaders. They're gain, he's gaining about five games, and that's interesting. If you start to break that down, where the next guy is going to be losing some. But before we get on to Mr. VR, Caleb Smith, he's the big piece. We mentioned Mejia and a single-A pitcher. I don't think Mejia is going to be super crazy like, interesting. The, the, the name that's interesting is Caleb Smith. We saw at times last year, very strong stuff. I believe he even made the all-star team, if I remember correctly. And then it just kind of fell off. He mentioned he got hurt a little bit. He tried to compensate. He's been hurt to start the year. Reports have him coming, and, and he should be able to pitch – before the season's over for Arizona. Now, that probably doesn't make him fancy relevant this year per se, but just what's your thoughts on Caleb Smith, a guy that many people were high on and then it's been kind of frustrating? Yeah, he had some moments last year where he was just really good. Like, he had some moments of brilliance, and the strikeout numbers were really high, but he just kind of tanked off, and you wonder how much of that could be attested to the injuries that he had. I mean, the walk rate, the walk rates went up, and he dealt with some other things, but – I don't know. It could be an interesting move. I think that moving forward, like his value is pretty low right now. And so you could probably get him on the cheap in a dynasty league and a speculative ad expecting that he might could rebound next year. Now for 2020, I don't think he's going to have time to get fully ramped up to, to be relevant, but long-term it's definitely interesting because he had those moments last year where it was like, man, this guy is legit. But then he also had moments where, it was just head scratcher, but you wonder how much of that could have you could attest to his injuries. So I don't know. Long term, it could be a good move, and it'll be interesting because we've seen the Marlins time and time again just trade away young pitching. The Diamondbacks are a great examples. Zach Gallon's there mm-hmm. now. If Smith pans out, you have a heck of a one-two punch thanks to, to Florida, Miami, which would be really nice going forward. We'll see. Bumgarner's been a huge disappointment. Robbie Ray's gone. We'll talk about him in a minute. They have some work to do in that rotation, obviously. But if you can get you know Smith to be a nice two to Gallons one, at least you're going somewhere. Still trading Marte, I would love to like. He doesn't even seem like he'd be a, a clubhouse you know distraction either. He seems like a great guy from everything you see. So I, I'm really confused by, by that deal. <laughs> but um, there's got to be more to it. You'd hope. Otherwise, that GM should be answering a lot of serious questions pretty soon. Johnny VR, I'm a big fan of the Baby Blue Jays. They made a the Robbie Ray trade. I don't understand. We'll get to that in a minute. But Jonathan VR, I think, is very, very interesting because Bobachet, he's he's starting to ramp up to come back. Two two things to look at here. This can slow him down so he can be completely healthy because the Blue Jays are looking like they might be a playoff team, potentially. They might they're fighting basically for the you know there's two from each division and there's two left over. They're fighting for one of those two, so that's going to be really fun. Um, that'll be interesting. And VR we've seen can play everywhere. He can play all over the infield, play the outfield. He can do it all and run wild for this powerful, powerful team. How do you think they're going to use VR? And do you think his fantasy value is still very strong? Or are you concerned about it? 
Well, from a home park standpoint, I mean, yeah. <laughs> going to play in Buffalo is is big. I mean, that that plays well, for especially for a guy like VR who has kind of like fringe power. So that could be a boost. The The question, like you mentioned, is where he plays. Now, this may enable Bichette to take his time. Like, they don't need to rush him back. And that bodes well for fantasy leagues because your fantasy leagues don't include the playoffs. So, again, you don't get Bichette back, but at the same time, like, VR's value stays good. And when Bichette is able to come back, you know, VR could slot over at third. He could take Travis Shaw's place. He could bump into center field. But then the question becomes, like, that outfield's been really good. Like, they've got T. Oscar Hernandez, who's been stellar. Randall Grichuk's been good. Lourdes Gurriel hasn't has been great, but I can't see them removing him from the lineup. So it'll be interesting long-term. Like, the immediate impact should be there because – you, he instantly slots in in Bichette's place. It's short, I think. But when he comes back, we'll have to see. But I think it's a nice place for him to land. I don't see why they would hold him back at all. And the park, I mean, that park plays like Coors. So at least his home games, you could see some more home run pop there for VR. Yeah, good old Coors East. Uh, I think the interesting – he's either just be like a utility guy that plays five to six times a week, just gives guys days off. That's kind of where I'm seeing it. Or – if they just said, you know what, you hit a few home runs, but your batting average is killing us, just sit Travis Shaw and play VR at third. I could see that being an option as well. So it'll be interesting to see where that plays out. Um, they did uh, The Marlins did acquire Griffin Conine, son of Jeff Conine, for those keeping track at home. Supposed to have a good power bat. Everything else is kind of suspect. Um, he's not going to have an impact this year. Do you have any quick thoughts on the Griffin Conine? I, I don't know a ton about him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he no impact this year. Long term, I mean, he was probably like a fringe top 10 prospect for the Blue Jays. He's hasn't really progressed well for a 23-year-old. I think his highest level was single A. There's a little bit of pop. I mean, last year in, in high A ball, he hit 22 home runs, 283 average, and, and 348 plate appearances. So there is some pop. It'll be interesting. I think the, the raw power's there, but like the hit tools – not at all. So, again, it could kind of be a hit or miss type thing. And I think it's one of those deals where you weren't going to get much for VR anyway. So you can take a risk on a, a guy like Conine who who could, if he hits, could be really good because the raw power is definitely there. Yeah, no, it works for me. Now, uh, they already picked up Taiwan Walker, who's made a start and has been decent this year. Up and down, there's been some moments that he reminds us of the issues Taiwan Walker's had, but then there's been times he looks good. Then they went and traded for Robbie Ray, and I can't wrap my head around this one at all. There's people saying, well, the pitching coach in Toronto can fix him and all these things. Maybe the case. You already mentioned it. I mentioned it. You're basically playing in Coors Field. That's not going to be good for anybody, especially mentally, let alone if you can't pitch. That's a problem. He has a 19% ground ball rate this year, a.k.a. fly balls in that stadium, not going to end too well. Uh, 7.84 ERA, not great. Uh, He's walking a batter per inning. (laughs) <laughs> Not great. Like, I can just keep going, but I'm going to leave some things for you to say, too, because, like, it's just – I don't see very many things besides his strikeout rate that's good. And that's – um that, if he didn't have that rate, good God, what he'd be doing right now. Yeah. But um he's going to the Jays. <laughs> Any uh, – do you have any optimism? Because I don't. If he gets it done, congratulations. I just can't see it. If – and it's a big if. If he's still rostered somehow in your redraft league, I think you can cut him. Yeah. What I do think could be interesting – I wonder if they stick him in the bullpen because now they've got six starters vying for five spots. So 
could he possibly be successful in a bullpen role? Who knows? The strikeouts are there, but good gosh, man. I mean, the home run per nine is high. He's walking a batter per inning. There's nothing to see but his strikeouts. And I just wonder if it's a move that can bolster their bullpen. Like you said, they, this is a team that sh- could make the playoffs. And if they do, they they need some pitching help. So maybe Ray slots in there in the bullpen, give them some help there, which is a possibility. But I just, from a starter standpoint, I don't think his value could get any lower. The The move to that home ballpark is horrendous for him. And there's just not a lot to like. So I, I can't see much value there honestly yeah and deep leagues i even dropped them a couple weeks ago and i was after holding on them for two or three weeks not even using them and like i just i just finally said screw it i'm pulling <laughs> the pin i kept hoping that we'd see something and it's like at least matt boyd has given us like two good starts to like get optimism about robbie ray it's just there's nothing there it's yeah. just it stinks because the strikeout stuff's great i've said it many times i i, I remember sitting my own plate in san francisco and, and watching him pitch and he had such great stuff but he nibbles so much that's why he walks so many guys. He just he doesn't trust himself in the zone, and maybe it's because he's been hit so hard. I don't know, but that just the fact he nibbles and those walks they add up after a while, and it's just been a, a disaster. The other move came in a little after the deadline. Well, obviously it was done ahead of time. It got announced about an, almost an hour after the deadline ended, and this one I was excited about because if I was a Jays fan, you know I liked the VR thing. Walker, okay, Ray. I was like, what are you guys doing? But then Ross Stripling's interesting. We were all hyped when Ross Stripling got traded to Anaheim for like a day earlier this year. And then that came back and we were still like, okay, he's going to get a shot with the Dodgers. Didn't work out so well, but now he gets a shot, a shot with Toronto, maybe a change of scenery. Who knows what's going to happen there? What's your thoughts on Stripling going to Toronto? He's, you know, he hasn't been as effective as we'd like, but is he worth a shot here? Yeah, he's been pretty bad this year, but it's like a, such an anomaly compared to what he's done for his career. And, I mean, look how well Kenta Maeda has done leaving L.A. And we can talk all we want. Like, L.A. is great with developing pitchers, but there's still that manipulation factor with the back end, guys. And so that factored in with Maeda. That factors in with Stripling. And so maybe the fact that he has a change of scenery now can help him because historically Stripling's been really good. I mean, he's still a career 3-6-8 pitcher, and that's including – uh, five six one ERA this year in thirty three innings, and so the strikeout numbers have been down, the walk rates up. But I just wonder if this is the move he needed to kind of free himself, and hopefully he can blossom. I mean, he's going to get a chance. Said so there's six guys right now vying for five rotation spots, but I think Stripling definitely gets a shot, probably maybe before Ray in the rotation, and if he pitches well. He can run with it, and I think can be effective for sure. So it's worth – I mean, he's probably been dropped in a lot of leagues, so I think it's worth an ad there just to see what they do with him. Yeah, I would definitely try him over Ray. That's for sure. I know I'm not <laughs> you know, saying a lot, but the, the thing that yeah, he really needs to work on, and this is pretty easy to see, but the long ball is just crippling him this year. He's given up at least two home runs in four straight games. He's given up at least one homer in all seven games he's pitched in. That's not great. He's, he's given up 12. There's like Garrett Cole's given up only like one more than him. So that tells you how things are going. 25.5% home run to fly ball. So it's it's almost like, you know, 25.5% is not great, but it's not horrific. It's just when they've hit him, they've hit him hard. And that's just something we got to keep in mind. Um, when looking at him, again, the ballpark would not be conducive to that. Yeah. But I, I am intrigued. I'm with you there. Like maybe he gets some more strikeouts going. Maybe it's a pitch mix thing. 
like going to a different club. Maybe they see something they can work in. If everyone's so pumped on Ray and this this uh, pitching coach there, they should be pretty pumped on Stripling. One last thing on the the Jays here and their pitching staff. You mentioned it. If you go to roster resource, they have um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Like whoa, yeah, it is um, seven or eight pitchers right now. Ryu is going to be there for sure. You got Walker, Tanner Rourke, Chase Anderson's been pretty good. Then you got Julian Man- uh, Merriweather. I think he'll be out of the mix. You got Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling. What I want to ask you, if they're on your waiver wire, would you rather own Taiwan Walker or Ross Stripling? Uh, probably Stripling. I just think the the upside's higher. I mean, Walker's had his moments, but just just the sum of the parts. I mean, I think Stripling's a better option for fantasy purposes, at least. And like you said, it'll be interesting to see how this rotation shakes out. I mean, they roster resource has Walker in it at SP two. Mm-hmm. So it looks like that they're going to give him every chance to, to run out there as a starter. But I also think that Stripling will get his fair chance. I think he gets it over Ray. He definitely gets it over Merriweather. Chase Anderson's pitched good. So he probably stays in reuse staying in but i just think that stripling could turn it around and and do some good things over the final month i'm with you let's go to cincinnati they made a couple trades not like well one's kind of a splash but they they already had a really strong club that's contending for the postseason and these are the kind of moves they're kind of quiet that fill the needs and another arizona trade archie bradley (laughs) the arizona closer who had six saves on the year it wasn't like it wasn't fun to watch saves, but if you look at it, Bradley hasn't given up a home run all season. Um, he, he's just been effective enough is the way I'll say it um, with Archie Bradley. Uh, they gave up Josh Van Meter and Stuart Fairchild. Van Meter could be entertaining in Arizona. Not sure if he's going to be a, a fantasy guy this season. But Bradley going to Cincinnati, roster resource has him as the setup man for Iglesias. Iglesias has been a little sketchy at times also. And in the past, they've mentioned they like to use him in leverage spots, kind of like Pomerantz in San Diego. So what's your thoughts on Archie Bradley? If you own him, are you hanging on to him? Um, if he's available, do you go to grab him? What do you think about with Bradley in Cincinnati? In a save and holds format, like I think his value increases actually. Because, more wins, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have more potential to to get holds and potentially saves. I still think currently he's probably the setup guy, like you mentioned, but there's going to be opportunities where he's going to get save chances. I think that, Iglesias probably gets the bulk of them, but Bradley's still going to grab a few. And saves have been really sparse, and they've gone kind of all over the board. I wouldn't be so quick to drop him in a saves-only league, but if you go a couple weeks and, and he's not seeing the ninth inning, I think you can drop him. He's been kind of vintage. Archie Bradley, like you mentioned, not fun to watch. Like His ERA hovers around four, but he just kind of gets the job done to get the saves. Hopefully he can – be in more hold situations here, maybe even a few saves chances, but I just, I'm not seeing him being the closer, but again, we'll see. It's a nice move to bolster the bullpen though for the Reds though. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Bradley is actually, he's been his best when he wasn't the closer for the Diamondbacks. So maybe getting him out of that closer role, he can be more effective and not have to worry about that. We'll see. Amir Garrett's a very quality setup man from the left side. And then the biggest bummer, I guess, out of it all is everyone that wanted Lucas Sims to close because he's just filthy. <laughs> We're at the wait another year for that, probably. That's just the way that's going to go. So, put that one on hold unless something really crazy happens towards the end here. I mentioned Josh Van Meter of one of the pieces there. He's kind of been as a utility guy. Occasionally, you could stream him in daily leagues or something. I don't see him having an instant impact this year in fantasy. Do you see anything? 
No, I mean yeah. he's he has he's intriguing, but he could flash some signs of doing stuff. But I just don't see don't see relevance this year. Yeah, I'm with you. And then they went and picked up um, Brian Goodwin from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who's had a really strong season. Um, at least he was for a while there until he hit the skids. It looks like I'm just looking at his game logs. My goodness, over like the last ten games, it's gone south. He was really swinging it well there for about a month. It felt like, and then it just went to went to bed. So uh, Goodwin goes there. He's going to be a backup outfielder. You know, maybe gives Castellanos a day off. Um, we Arisa Sakino actually played in the outfield yesterday. That was scary to watch. Um, they, have, they have a lot of moving parts there, but if Goodwin's not a starter like he was in Anaheim, do you have any interest in him? No, I think, and I don't think he will be. I, I read actually that they're planning to play Aquino every day, which would be interesting. Uh, but I just don't see Goodwin having much value. It's a depth move for the Reds. And if somebody gets injured, we hope not, but if someone does get injured, Goodwin could get back in the mix and then be relevant for, for now. I'm just not really seeing much relevance here fantasy-wise. Yeah, it's a tough one. Let's go to Colorado, a team that can always use pitching, and they made a move. At least they didn't pay a million dollars, like a, a, like twenty million dollars for every year, like they've done in the past. They traded for one in Michael Givens, former closer of the Baltimore Orioles. This was an interesting move because the Orioles earlier in the week announced Hunter Harvey's coming back. They're going to ease him into the closing role. So another reason why Solcer is there and Givens, who's kind of been out of it, he's gone. So they pick him up. We have Colorado, who's said. Closers issues all year, but Daniel Bard's been in there and been decent the last couple of weeks. What are you thinking on Givens? Do you think he finds his way into some closing duty, or is he just going to set up for uh, the Rockies? I think he's probably a setup. I mean, you've got him and Estevez, which Bard's been good, like you mentioned. So they probably keep running him out as long as he's performing. Givens could sneak in and get some chances, but I think he's probably just in the setup role. I mean, he wasn't getting saves in Baltimore. Don't see why he get saves chances here personally. So not really in on him. Don't think he really needs to be rostered in, in saves only leagues. Yep. I'm with you there. And the, the returning pieces were nothing to really talk about on this one. So the Rockies made another move and this was the, one of those moments when Twitter can unite together. <laughs> it's just one of those things that when the trade came down, you could roll through your, any of your fantasy players timelines and you had a similar reaction for people that saw it. The Rockies acquired Kevin Pillar because that's what they need. Another veteran right-handed outfielder. So um, that's what they have. And even roster resource has him starting in center field, batting sixth, which is just, man, <laughs> because Matt Kemp's played a lot. Garrett Hampton hasn't played much at all lately. They still have Sam Hilliard in the lineup. You have Charlie Blackman in the outfield. Ramel Tapia is there. Designated hitter helps. That's where they have Hilliard playing at least. If Pilar's playing every day in Coors Field, are you going and grabbing him? It's interesting. I haven't really thought about it because, again, the frustration from it all, <laughs> you scratch your head why, and that you can go watch Eric Cross's rant on that. You know, he's the biggest Hampson supporter. I'm a big Garrett Hampson supporter. Like, I just want to see the guy get a shot. Yeah. It's the same thing with Kyle Tucker. Like, I wanted him to get a chance, and he's gotten a chance and he's performed. Give Garrett Hampson a chance. Mm-hmm. He hasn't got a fair shot, in my opinion. I mean, I know he hasn't been stellar, but he just needs everyday playing time. I just yep. for a team like the Rockies, I don't see why you make this move. But I don't know. I think Pilar is probably going to play. I don't see why they acquire him to to not play. Like I don't see Pilar as just a depth piece here. I think he's going to play every day. So it hurts Hampson's value. It hurts probably Hilliard's value. I mean, he's going to get a little less run there because they have a lot of guys that are trying to see time out there. So I don't yep. know. It's frustrating. But Pilar is interesting to think about. 
Could he have some sneaky value in cores? Maybe so. Yeah, he's a guy I could look into picking up because he's hit well, actually, for the Red Sox, usually facing lefties only, but he's been hitting very well. So if you have a big week in Coors, he's one of those guys that could definitely stand out and be an interesting option. The Oakland A's made a little splash trading in division, which surprised some of us, but uh, Mike Miner, free agent at the end of the year, so it didn't cost him much. A couple of prospects, uh, minor leaguers, I mean, say full-time prospects, mm-hmm. and Marcus Smith and Dustin Harris. Miner's not been the minor that um, you know we saw at least for the first half last season. I was worried about him coming into the years because the workload we saw last year in general was going to be tough to, to keep things going. But he goes to Oakland, a very nice park to pitch in. Um, we know they can do a lot with pitching. Montas has been sketchy of late. They need some more depth there. What's your thoughts on Miner going to Oakland? Yeah, it's interesting because, like you mentioned, he had such a good year last season, and then there were definitely question marks, and he's lived up to those question marks. But he's coming off his best outing of the season. He had six shutout innings against the Dodgers his last start. Still, the ERA sits at 5-6. It's not appealing at all. The underlying numbers don't look great. But like you mentioned, the good news is that he moves to a good pitcher's park, like arguably one of the best pitcher's parks in baseball. But it'll be interesting because now you're looking at a situation where there's six guys for five spots. Does Miner find his way in? Does Miner move to the bullpen? Does Chris Bassett move to the bullpen? Mike Fires? So there's a couple question marks there. And I think it kind of comes down to the fact, will Miner be starting? And you kind of have to assume that they acquired him to be a starting pitcher. And so I would assume that he does find his way in and maybe they go a six-man rotation. Not sure. We'll see how it shakes out. It'll be interesting. Hopefully he can continue kind of what he did against the Dodgers and and be semi-serviceable. I mean, I'm not saying I, I want him on my teams right now, but he could be a sneaky ad over the last month if he could provide some decent value. Yeah, it's an interesting move. I could see him being productive. We just got to see what his role is, but by the time we find that out, it might be too late. So. Yeah. Um, keep an eye on him. A couple other small moves, nothing major. And I, I mean, we're not going to talk about every small move, but a couple that could have some interest, if, especially in daily leagues. Cameron Maben gets traded from Detroit to Chicago, mainly a platoon peach in the outfield, maybe with Jason Hayward or something. Any interest in a Cameron Maben who can be productive with on the bags once in a while? Um, not really. Not from a redraft standpoint. Maybe like you mentioned, in a daily setting where if – He's in the lineup. Like he could chip in a couple steals, but I don't see a whole lot of fantasy value here to be had. Okay, that'll pretty much wrap up our talk on trades. Did you have any other final takeaways from the trade deadline that uh, that stood out to you? No, it was definitely interesting. It was a lot of fun. There was one thing I want to go back and highlight from the Ross Stripling trade, and that's the fact that I think that Tony Gonsolin is a big winner there in that trade for the Dodgers. So Gonsolin should move into the rotation full time. He didn't really have a role. He was kind of spot starting. Gonsolin's a sneaky ad. Mm-hmm. Go and go and add that guy. I mean, he's solid. And so Gonsolin was somebody I wanted to highlight because I think he was a big winner of Stripling being traded. And so I think he finds regular starts and provides good value over the last month of the season. So that was one thing I did want to highlight going back to that trade. But overall, man, it was a fun trade deadline. Really, really glad we had a lot of moving parts going on and a lot of pieces get moved and some, even some surprising ones like Starling Marte was especially surprising to me. I did not see that one coming. That was a big surprise. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, a couple more questions for you before we get to some listener questions. 
Uh, Cabrian Hayes is getting the call on Tuesday to play with the Pirates, and they, they pretty much said they're going to play him every day. So this is one of those we've been waiting for, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, hits for a decent average. Um, a lot of people are excited for him. So what's what are your thoughts on Cabrian Hayes, and do you think he's worth uh, spending some fab dollars on this week? Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, I'm not overly intrigued. I mean, he's great in the field. Like he's he's a Gold Glove caliber fielder. So I think that's where a lot of his his prospect value has come from. Is the glove? He's above average hit tool. He's going to hit for a decent average. Probably not great. There's average power, kind of average speed, and I'm not really expecting a ton this season. But again, the Pirates don't really have a lot to lose. So they may let him go out there and just do his thing, and he may be a sneaky ad. I'm not going to go spend a lot of fab on him just because I've never been crazy high on him from a fantasy standpoint, just from the production I think he can provide. But you never know. These prospect debuts have been kind of weird. I mean, guys we'd expect to perform at a high caliber haven't. Some guys have been really good. So it's hard to say. Like long-term, it's easier to look look at and kind of gauge, but – this year, he could go a lot of different ways. And plus, it's the Pirates. So what's right. the supporting cast looking like? Where's he hitting the order? Lots of question marks there. Um, right. The Marlins, they have a couple moves we're going to talk about real quick. You know, they trade VR, and Shocker, the man that opted out, Ison Diaz, is back. He's He got approved <laughs> to come back. That was just a – man, what a contingency plan they had there. In the minors, we've seen some power. We've seen some speed. It's been kind of wishy-washy, depending on the season. But in 2019, he crushed AAA. Yeah, for a good average, too. Um, a little bit of cup of coffee last year. Didn't light the world on fire. Big strikeout rate. Um, would you be interested in a guy like Ison Diaz this year? Uh, not overly. I actually was semi-intrigued like before the season just because, like you mentioned, he really tore up AAA last season. He didn't have a great debut. And I don't know. It was just There's the intrigue of the fact that this guy can hit for solid average and he can hit for power. But I wonder how much of that AAA ball, and we know the MLB ball is similar, so, but the power spike was pretty large last year, I mean, outside of his career norms. He's interesting. I don't really know. There's another guy, though, that really is intriguing that they just called up, and you're probably going to mention him. Yes, Jazz Chisholm, who, thanks to the Diamondbacks' Zach Gallon trade, he's the big piece in that one, he got the call on Tuesday as well. We saw the power's pretty much been there the last couple of years. Speed as well, but really took a bump last year. Bang average took a hit, though. He strikes a lot of swing and miss throughout the minor leagues. So it's kind of a power speed's there. Bang average could take a hit. Very intriguing option here, and he's going to be a popular name this week. What's your thoughts on Jazz Chisholm getting the call and hopefully getting everyday playing time? He's very intriguing. The, the power-speed combo is very real. There's crazy high upside here because he has shown the ability to hit for average. It's kind of like <laughs> – a weird thing where it's like maybe like every other stop, like he's hit for average, which is interesting. But when he moved to Miami, they really began to work on his contact skills. And there were some noticeable things. We haven't seen him in almost a year, but it's interesting to see that in a hundred and played nearly a hundred plate appearances after his move to Miami, you saw that average jump to 284. The strikeout percentage dropped from nearly 34% to 25%. So there's some interesting things there to see how they translate because he's had a year to really work on this. The frustrating thing is we haven't been able to see him. Normally we have a minor league season. We get to watch how these guys have made changes and perform, but we haven't had that this year. So it's a lot of speculation right now, but everything I've read, the Marlins have worked hard to really 
work on his contact skills. So it'll be interesting to see how that performs. If the contact skills show improvement, there's a lot of upside with that power speed from a fantasy standpoint. Dude, there's a lot to like. So I'm hoping he comes out and we see that improved hit tool, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm curious to see how he does. I'd like to see him play. They have no excuse not to play him. So that that's a good thing. And I want to see how much money he goes for this weekend because a lot of people don't have much money left. <laughs> so you could get a, you could get a diamond in the rough this week uh, if you still have a little bit of cash. It'll be really interesting. That let's let's have some fun here. So say say Ian Anderson's on the waiver wire, and you can only get one prospect this Sunday. Do you get Ian Anderson or Jazz Chisholm? Huh. And I know it's probably, team depend- it's probably team dependent, but let's just say you're kind of even on pitching and even on hitting. You only get one of them. I'll shoot the upside with, with Jazz. Ooh. Going against know. your Braves. I like it. I know. <laughs> I want to I see how Anderson pitches this week. Yeah. I didn't really – I didn't have that much that high of expectations for him, and he just dominated like out of nowhere. He struggled with command a lot in the minor leagues, but then the command was so good in, in that start. So I don't know. I'll be interested to see. He's throwing tonight, so definitely worth watching and monitoring. I hate to kind of defer the question. We'll see how they do this week, but I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Let's do a couple listener questions here. we got another one while we're re-recording, so we'll add that to the list. But first, Matt Leahy asks, I always mispronounce it. I apologize. Um, Do you think that Clevenger trade just about closes the door on Mackenzie Gore getting called up to start this season? What's your thoughts? Probably. And I hate to say that, but I think if he was going to get called up, we would have seen him by now. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he hasn't been called up. There's not been a whole lot said, but I just believe that if they were going to bring him up, that they would have already done so. And so I think Clevenger definitely probably closed the door. I hate to say that. I want to see Gore pitch, but sadly, if, if you have Gore in a redraft, you can probably cut him at this point. I hate hate saying that. Yeah, I think if he gets pulled called up at all, it might be just a the bullpen type thing to add depth for the postseason. I, I don't see him having a, a at least a fantasy impact in the starting rotation this year. So no. I'm with you there. Uh, Billy B from Canada, Bill Bradley, 44. Uh, what do you think about what we've seen from Brandon Lau the past two seasons? He is a, is he a dynasty target? He's crushing the baseball. I talked about him on Sunday night with Toby. Like you look at his advanced stats, you look at everything you want for the last couple of years. It's hard not to be a believer now. What's your thoughts on Loud? Do you think he's a dynasty asset going forward? Got to buy into him, man. He's he's making tangible changes at the plate. He's killing the ball. I mean, he's only 20. You see, he just turned 26. He's coming into his prime. I mean, there's so much to like. He's The strikeout rate was a huge concern for many. I mean, why wouldn't it be? He struck out nearly 35% of the time last year. He's cut that to 23.6%. His walk rate's increased by – nearly 4%. There's a ton to like. I mean, the the batted ball profile is similar in a sense. Like, he's hitting a similar amount of line drives and fly balls, but he's hitting them hard. And so those hard-hit balls are turning into home runs. And he's made enough changes for me to believe, like, that he's not going to strike out at a high rate. I mean, his O-swing percent, that's out of zone swings, has dropped nearly 10%. He's actually swinging less in the zone and less overall, but it's working for him because his contact, his O contact percentage is up, his zone contact percentage is up, so his general contact percentage is up. So there's a lot to like. The profile suggests that he's legit and hard to deny what he's doing. So I think he's a great dynasty asset. If someone has him and they're still undervaluing him, go get him. I mean, one, he's eligible at second base, and that position is terrible. (laughs) 
We've mm-hmm. seen the high end guys not perform. So, dude, go get loud if you can. I like it a lot. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, we'll get back to the last listener question in a second because it'll kind of go in line with this. I, I glossed over it when we talked Trevor Rosenthal. Him leaving Kansas City, you have Stallmont in the bullpen, you have Barlow, Holland. That's a wishy washy deal. And then even Jesse Hahn, some are considering a potential closer. I think Stallmont's got the best stuff. I've heard a lot of people say Barlow's the guy. Who do you think is the saves guy in Kansas City? I don't know if they're going to go with a single save source. Stallmont's the best pitcher, in my opinion. I would think that he should get the bulk of the saves, but there's no guarantee. I mean, he's just dominating hitters, man. He's striking out 17 batters a nine, 43% strikeout rate. I don't know. I mean, he's pitched extremely well. You would think it would be him, but I just think they share chances, honestly. I mean, we saw Han get one the other day. Who knows? Not a situation I really want to be involved in, honestly, from a fantasy standpoint. Well, when you're talking Kansas City, to be fair, how many more chances do they really yeah. have to get saves this year? Um, but this goes to the question for Stooley at John underscore Stooley on Twitter, S-T-U-L-L-Y. Um, he's looking to drop Alex Cobb and add a guy who could potentially get some saves. Who do you guys like best out of this group? Barlow, who we mentioned, uh, Crichton, Hatch, Dallas, Castro, Farmer. So he's digging deep. Like those oh. are some deep, deep names. <laughs> I I would guess would go Barlow, but out of that group, at least we know he might run into one. But that's ugly. Do you have any any love there? No, sorry, Stully. I'm I'm at a loss there, man. I'm at, yeah. maybe Barlow. Like I said, he's probably going to get a couple. Was Buck Farmer an option? Yeah, Buck maybe Farmer that. was an option there. I mean, again, who knows? They didn't. I thought they may move Jimenez, and they didn't. So. I mean, I don't know. That's tough, man. I don't have a clear answer, but I'd say Barlow if you got to take a shot at one of those. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty bleak. But on the bright side, that's the last listener question. We went through the trade deadline. We did a little bit of everything, Chris. This has been great. Before we sign off, you've been a busy man, like I mentioned, at Fantrax. Let everybody know what you got going on over there. Talk about some of your latest work, what you got coming up. The floor is yours. Sure. And uh, thanks again, Bubba. Always an honor to come on with you. Like you mentioned, um, right, my written works exclusively at Fantrax. Um, on Tuesdays, I publish a weekly StatCast piece where I kind of cover different topics. This week, we looked at first half breakouts and whether the StatCast and underlying data backs performances. So every week, I kind of cover something a little different there, but it's kind of diving in the StatCast data. And on Thursdays, I publish a, a prospects or dynasty piece. Right now, I've been kind of looking at players who gain or lose value in on-base percentage leagues. So last week was the gainers. This week will be players, prospects who lose value in OBP leagues. And I also cover the two-start pitchers, which has been a mess to track this year. (laughs) So that has been a fun one to try to cover. But those are my weekly pieces there that I cover. And again, you can find me on Twitter at RotoCleg, C-L-E-G-G. And I do a lot of stuff there, active. Always enjoy talking fantasy baseball or just baseball in general. So hit me up if you ever want to talk be more than happy to yeah i highly recommend it he's a great conversation very knowledgeable guy and uh always putting out some awesome work so go check out all of chris's stuff and uh thanks for joining me man always appreciate chatting with you yeah thank you so much again no problem everybody this is bench with bubba episode 309 recapping the craziness that was the mlb trade deadline with chris clegg of Fantrax. catch you guys later
Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.